Today's reading is Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 14, which you'll find on page 1011 of your church Bibles. 1011 in your church Bibles. It's Mark, chapter 8, and we're starting at verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, Is it because we have no bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? And ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. This is the word of God. Knowing a person's identity is key to relating correctly to them, isn't it? Uh, You might remember the story of the American tourists who were out walking uh, in Scotland in the hills, uh, and as they went along, they they met an old lady dressed in tweed uh, and wearing a headscarf. 
uh, and uh, her uh, younger companion. The Americans were very friendly. They said hello. They got chatting. Uh, they realized uh, that she'd been coming to the area for, for over 80 years. Uh, and they were, they were near Balmoral. So they asked, have you, have you ever met the queen? Uh, the lady said, no, I haven't. But my companion sees her quite regularly. <laughs> they took some photos together uh, and went their separate ways. Now, what the Americans hadn't realized, of course, was that they had just met the queen. How differently will they have thought about that encounter when they got home and showed the photos to their friends and someone pointed out just who it was? How differently, in fact, would they have acted in the moment if they knew who it was who was in front of them? Who is Jesus? That's the question that Mark has been answering in the first half of his book. He opened uh, his book with these words, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And since then, he's been carefully uh, explaining uh, and telling us the events and words that Jesus said to demonstrate just who he is. And today we reach the climax of this first half of the book. We're going to look at it in three sections as we see that uh, understanding Jesus' identity is crucial and that it needs a miracle. So first of all, that, that understanding Jesus' identity is crucial. If you hear last week, we've just had the feeding of the 4,000 uh, and then the Pharisees come to Jesus and ask for a sign. Now it's just Jesus and his disciples in a boat again, heading back across the lake. And Jesus seems to be reflecting on recent events. Have a look at verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, yeast is a fairly regular image in the Bible. I guess we're familiar with how it causes bread to rise and can realize that it could refer to something small, which has a big effect on whatever it is that it's a part of. But for Jews, there is another aspect to yeast. Remember, when they were under the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt, God told them to make bread without yeast for their final meal before that they left slavery. They had to be ready to leave, and they had no time to leave the bread to rise, so they made it without yeast. And they were told to commemorate that event every year. We read about it in Exodus chapter 12. For seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses. And whoever eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel, whether he is an alien or native-born. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. So yeast had become uh, associated with evil for the Jews. Anything which must be removed in order to be a part of God's redeemed people. 
So what is it that Jesus is warning about with this yeast? Think back to what we've seen of the Pharisees and of Herod in the last few chapters. Pharisees have seen Jesus do all sorts of miracles, but they come to test him and ask him to prove himself with a sign from heaven. With all their Bible knowledge, they should understand who Jesus is, but they're too proud to accept what's right in front of them. And Herod, uh, a few more weeks ago, we saw that Herod saw something in John the Baptist. He was interested in what he had to say. But when what John preached clashed with Herod's lifestyle, Herod had him killed. See, he too had the wrong idea about who it was that John was preaching about. He didn't take the message seriously enough. Jesus says we have to watch out for these attitudes. Attitudes that are around today too. People who have their own ideas of Jesus' identity, who are too proud to listen to him, to change their minds, to see who he really is. And Jesus says that's dangerous because wrong understanding of who Jesus is leads to being outside the kingdom. The disciples are different though, aren't they? They're with Jesus. They're ready to listen. Surely they're doing okay. But we see actually they're they're not yet uh, there either. There's more that they need. Verse 16. They discussed what Jesus had said with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? See, just as uh, earlier on in Mark, uh, like after the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples are still too focused on the physical stuff that's in front of them to see the spiritual reality that they're being shown. Now, the 12 and the 7 might be pointing to uh, the whole of Israel and sort of completeness, uh, as those numbers are used uh, in other places in the Bible. Or they might just be supposed to remind the disciples uh, of just how amazing it was, uh, the amount that was left over. But either way, they're being shown that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. That he's the one who is bringing a new world with full satisfaction. But they're blind to it. Clearly they, they know that Jesus is someone special, don't they? They've left everything to follow him. But they've not grasped exactly who he is. And to Jesus, that's a problem. He sounds almost exasperated, doesn't he? 
do you still not see or understand? And he borrows a phrase from Jeremiah chapter 5. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord, should you not tremble in my presence? Jesus is referring to this to show the disciples that they're they're in danger of going uh, the way of Israel in Jeremiah's day, of not responding rightly to God. Jesus needs them to understand who he is so that he can explain why he's come, so they understand his mission, so they are ready for what's to come as they head towards Jerusalem. So maybe you're here today and you've never properly looked at who Jesus really is. Maybe you studied Christianity a little bit at school, maybe you've been to a few carol services but you've never properly paid attention to what it is that he says and does. Well, Mark's gospel is for you. He wrote it for you. But he also warns that uh, not to come already having made up your mind about who Jesus is, uh, not to have tests that perhaps subconsciously you want him to fail so that you don't have to go any further with him. And don't just take the nice bits either, the bits that you want to hear, which fit in with your life already. Jesus is so much more than that. Mark wants us to take the time to really look at Jesus, to see who he is, because understanding his identity is so crucial. So what does it take to understand who Jesus is? Mark shows us that understanding Jesus' identity requires a miracle. We're probably used to now Mark uh, keeping on moving, and immediately here we're into the next location as they come to Bethsaida. And what could be a, a confusing miracle to interpret becomes much clearer if we recognize that Mark has written it in a particular way to make a bigger point. So bear in mind what it is that we've seen already as we look at verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, don't go into the village. Immediately, we wonder, I suspect, why didn't the healing work the first time? Why could the man only see these blurry shapes, men looking like trees? And after all, Jesus didn't have to tell the storm, twice to be calm, did he? He didn't have to feed 2,000 and then go and find some more bread to feed the other half. So what's going on? Well, it's not because Jesus got it wrong uh, or wasn't able to heal him fully in one step. We've seen clearly, as we've looked through Mark, that Jesus has complete power to heal. 
He's healed by speaking and by touching, in person and from far off. So remember what Jesus just asked the disciples. Do you still not see or understand? Do you have eyes but fail to see? And now there is a man who can't see, then who can see but only partly, and then who can see clearly. And what was it that made the difference? It was Jesus' touch. This miracle was a parable played out in real life. Jesus really did have compassion on this man and gave him his sight back for real. But he also used him to demonstrate a spiritual reality. He's just said that the disciples can't see and now a blind man is healed. He's showing that for the disciples to see and understand who Jesus is, it needs a miracle. For them to see who Jesus really is, they need Jesus to open their eyes. And so do we. Ultimately, we can read the Bible all we like, but unless God works in us, we will never see. Indeed, there are plenty of scholars and professors who spent their lives studying the Bible, studying theology, who have never truly understood Jesus. Nor do we just need a sign in the sky, something to prove that God is real. The Pharisees had seen plenty of miracles take place right in front of them. See, all of us are blind by nature. Sin corrupted the world and took our understanding of God. Instead, we see ourselves as God. And like the blind man, we have no way of fixing that ourselves. Unless Jesus puts his hands on our eyes and does a miracle, we have no way of seeing. Which is humbling. I can't rely on my intellect to save me. In fact, I can't do anything to save myself. All we can do is rely on Jesus. It's also freeing. It means anyone can come to Jesus, regardless of brain power. It means we don't have to do anything ourselves. And it also means that uh, the best thing we can do for our friends and family who, who don't know Jesus is pray. We don't have to have enough knowledge to win all the arguments. We don't have to prove who Jesus is. We just have to show them uh, the gospel and pray for their eyes to be opened. Understanding uh, Jesus' identity, it requires a miracle. And so finally, we come right to the center of Mark's gospel, where Jesus' identity is understood. Jesus and the disciples, they head off again, uh, carry on their journey, And Jesus brings the conversation back to his identity and the disciples' understanding. Verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, 
and still others, one of the prophets. We've already heard these reports uh, in the bit about Herod and John the Baptist uh, a few weeks ago. The news about Jesus had, had got around and people had to come up with uh, an answer for who he was. But there's lots of misunderstanding, lots of blindness. People recognize there's something special about Jesus, but their eyes haven't been opened to who he really is. They're groping around at the dark, grasping onto uh, glimpses of what they know about what God has said in the past. But Jesus already knows that this is what people are thinking. He's setting up the key question. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Forget what other people are saying. Ultimately, that doesn't matter, he says. You've seen what I've done. You've heard what I've said. Who do you think I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Suddenly, after so much blindness and confusion, there is light. But what about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Peter's answer sounds so simple, but it is a stunning thing to say. Christ, or Messiah, had become the title for the anointed one, God's king who would deliver Israel and his people. The Jews knew things weren't as they were supposed to be, They hadn't been for a long time. That God had promised to rescue them, to lead them to a better place. That Christ would be the the one to lead them into a new era. In other words, the person, the one person on whom all their hopes rested. So for Peter to give Jesus this title was huge. It meant he was recognizing him as the fulfillment of all the prophecies. Something, something new, not just a continuing or a reiterating of the previous prophets, not just another Elijah, but the one Christ. And Jesus doesn't deny it, does he? This is who he is. Peter has understood. But he doesn't want it publicized for now. Did you spot that right at the end? Peter's next words to Jesus show that he isn't seeing clearly. His eyes might be open, but they only see people as trees. There is much more for the disciples to understand about why Christ has come. But that's for next time, so I'll leave that for now. For now, the question is, how has Peter come to this answer? Think again about how Mark has structured his book. If we'd gone straight from their previous conversation in the boat uh, to this, what could we have concluded? We might think that Peter had thought about the feedings, about what people had said about Jesus, about everything he's seen. And he's got it. He's worked it out. You know, that, that moment when you're stuck on a problem, you've got all the pieces, but nothing's fitting together. And then suddenly... You get the key piece of information, you slot the key piece in, and Eureka, it's all clear. But 
doubtless Peter has been thinking all about this, remembering what Jesus has said and done. But Mark put the healing of the blind man in between these two sections to tell us that's not what made him understand. We're not told exactly when it happened, but in just a real way, as Jesus put his hands on the blind man's eyes and opened them, Jesus has given Peter sight as well. He's opened Peter's eyes, and now, now Peter can understand that Jesus is the Christ. So who do you say Jesus is? If you're not sure, then keep reading Mark. It's great that you're here. Keep coming along and hearing uh, what Mark has to say. Because it is a crucial thing to understand who Jesus is, to be able to evaluate and relate to him properly. And maybe I could challenge you, even if you're not quite sure who it is that you're talking to, why not pray and ask God to open your eyes? He loves to answer those who truly ask. And Jesus can do a miracle for you. If you do recognize Jesus as Christ, if you call him Lord and Savior, there are a few things to take away too. We should heed Jesus' warning to watch out for those who claim to know who Jesus is, but who have their own agenda, the modern Pharisees and Herods. They ultimately are outside the kingdom. Instead, keep listening to Jesus himself. And as we live among those who don't know Jesus, show them who the real Jesus is. And most importantly, pray for their eyes to open. It is Jesus who does the work. And finally, be amazed again at this humble man from Nazareth, who is the Christ, the promised one, the rescuing saviour. The one who, although Peter didn't understand just how it was going to work yet, who would indeed deliver us, not just from earthly oppression, but from all sin or death. Who do you say I am? You are the Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us so much about who Jesus is in your word. We thank you that you uh, give us his words and his actions so we can see who he is. But we thank you for opening our eyes. We pray that you would uh, open our eyes even more, that we would see even more clearly who it is that Jesus is, that we would trust him, and that we would yeah, just enjoy uh, that he is the Christ and, and that he's chosen to do a miracle in us. In Jesus' name, amen.